when we went out on that game drive, we literally had a lioness that walked probably six or seven feet from our truck. And one of the older gentlemen who was in our truck said to the driver, driver had a box sitting next to him, said, hey, uh, just out of curiosity, I'm assuming in the box you have a gun, right? Just in case something happens. And no, it's a camera. He goes, just in case something cool happens. <laughs> <laughs> back, everybody, this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And on this week's show, we are taking a little detour away from cruising, but keeping it in the Disney Signature Experiences family with a little trip to adventures by Disney. And so I want to start by welcoming our guests to the show, Larry, who's going to talk to us all about his adventures by Disney Experience. Larry, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're so excited to talk to you, Larry. We, you know, don't get a ton of people who've been on these different adventures by Disney trips. And so it's really exciting when we hear from somebody who has to talk to you about to talk to them about these experiences. Yeah, certainly, Sam. I'm happy to do it. It was one of the best Disney uh, trips and experiences we've ever had. And it kind of ties into what you guys talk about a lot with regard to the uh, cruise lines, because you know, I know that they are now incorporating the ABDs in some of the ports. I know it may be suspended at the moment, but I'm sure those are going to be coming back, which are fantastic ways to incorporate a little bit of a deeper dive in some of those uh, locations when you get off the ship. Yeah, well, f- future of ABD and Disney Cruise Line is actually a little up in the air at the moment. They There were some announcements last week that suggest they may be stopping the embedded uh, ABD tours with Disney Cruise Line. So that may not come back, unfortunately. Um, we're a little sad about that, but we shall see. I, I keep my fingers crossed that that remains a temporary thing and that they will be back in the uh, the longer run. So, but Fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. Hey, Larry, you have a podcast as well that I think, uh, you know, let's let's dive into your Disney background, but also you've got a podcast that you do. Do you want to talk to folks about both your podcasting and Disney background, where your love of Disney comes from? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have my own podcast called The Midland Money Mindset. I am a uh, founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial, hence the Midland part of the Midland Money Mindset. And essentially, we talk about the financial money and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. And we have a whole cadre of guests from Disney-related folks to financial topics, to athletes, to mental health, to mindset and entrepreneurs. And it's um, a very diverse podcast and has been building steam. We launched it in October of uh, 2020, and now we've been releasing new shows weekly every Wednesday. Um, and it's you know available on every podcast player that's available. And essentially, my love from for Disney, you know, roots from mainly trips that I took as an adult. I, I went there as a uh, as a kid at the age of thirteen. Only had that one trip, which was a fun experience. And then, essentially, when I met my wife, she was a big Disney fanatic, and essentially. Took me along for a couple of trips and it, it really, you know, I, I got bit by the bug. I mean, <laughs> the experiences and the level of service and how they treat their guests is something that we do here at my firm and we aspire to even that, you know, higher level of Disney experience. And I, I've been a fan ever since of everything about uh, Disney. Now, do you teach people how to save for Disney vacations? Because they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you know, obviously one of the things that we talk about is budgeting, and that's certainly something that uh, should come into that budgeting factor uh, when you're planning for and, and putting together that budget. And it's something that should be in there. I mean, you know, trips and experiences when all said and done is what we really have, you know, the pictures from them, the memories. And it's important to have those experiences. And I think Disney does a great job of you know, bringing those experiences to a higher level. And yes, you pay for it, but I think you also get what you pay for. One good way to spend some money, second only to Disney Cruise Line. Well, actually, I think Disney Cruise Line is second only to Adventures by Disney. Is it Adventures by Disney trip? You took a nine night Adventures by Disney trip to South Africa and then coupled some time on either end of it. Let me start by asking, Larry, was this your first ABD experience or had you been on others? Yeah, this was our first ABD experience. Uh, essentially, it all stemmed from my uh, my my youngest son was getting bar mitzvahed, and uh, we had given both of our kids, my older son, the same the opportunity to have a trip rather than the traditional party that would go along with the bar mitzvah, and we wanted to give them the ability to have a longer experience in lieu of the party. My my older son chose to go on a cruise to Alaska, Disney cruise. Nice. Yes. Yes. He wanted to go salmon fishing. That was a passion of his and, and we accomplished that. My younger son is a huge fan of animals. So we were looking at a number of different cruises, adventures, National Geographic type things, as well as Disney, which now they're under the same umbrella. And, um, you know, we narrowed it down or he narrowed it down really to the Galapagos Islands and South Africa, which are two hotbeds for animals. And uh, yeah, essentially, that's uh, that's how we ended up with our first adventure by Disney. All right. We need to start having conversations, Brian, with Nathan right now about what he's going to do for his bar mitzvah, because I love this idea, Larry. <laughs> yeah, I think we got a few years we can wait, but yeah, go ahead, Larry. <laughs> what, what made you, so South Africa then really kind of a choice based on wanting to experience animals. Safari is a big thing in South Africa. What, what steered you toward doing that through Disney as opposed to just planning your own trip? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of it had to do with our experiences, both at the parks and on the cruise line. And I think for you know your listeners that know Disney, and for those that don't, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, the parks are at a certain level of service and experience. Then the cruise lines, I think, even bump it up another notch. And then on top of that, you know, we felt from what we were reading, hearing, and talking to others that experienced adventures by Disney, that that was even a higher level. And we felt with, you know, kids being at that point, you know, roughly 16 and 13, that Disney would fit, you know, in really, really well. And quite frankly, it didn't, you know, in, in hindsight, that didn't even matter because uh, there were a lot of adults on the ABD without kids. Oh, really? But, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the level of service is really what drew us to looking at the ABD versus going a traditional tour route, if you will. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I mean, you, we hear that time and time again from guests and listeners. And, and obviously, Brian and I feel the same way that, you know, when you're choosing to travel really anywhere, you know that that level of Disney service is going to be a cut above. And now we haven't done an ABD yet, and our son is only seven. So we're kind of looking at that for the future. And we've got a river cruise planned for next year on ABD. But 
it, it's definitely, I think, something that folks will want to look at wherever they're traveling. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you've experienced the cruise lines and think about the service that you get while you're on the ship, you know, kind of bump that up by almost tenfold on the, on an ABD. When was this trip? The trip was in 2019. So it was the year before uh, the, you know, the COVID pandemic, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, uh, this is you, your wife, and your two sons? My two boys, yeah, which, uh, you know, one was uh, 13 and one was 16 at the time. Okay, okay, perfect ages, I think, for an EBD. Now, you went early. What made you decide to tack some time on in the beginning of your trip? Well, I, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was going to be such a long trip to get there. It basically took us anywhere between 25, 26 hours from the time we left our house till the time we actually ended up at our final destination. So our view was that we wanted to tack on a little bit of time at the beginning to kind of get acclimated with where we are. More importantly, get acclimated with the, with the time change, the time difference, and potentially the jet lag from the trip. And that was really the main uh, impetus of putting it on at the beginning rather than at the, at the end. Well, and it looks like from looking at the itinerary for the ABD trip, which for our listeners, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. It was a nine-day Adventures by Disney trip. It looks like your, your real opportunity to see Johannesburg, correct? That's where, you, that's where you went, was at the beginning of the trip. Because after that, it looks like EBD is kind of carting you all over South Africa to see almost the country, not just a city. Is that right? Yeah. Well, actually, Brian, we actually started in Cape Town. Oh, Cape uh, Town. Okay. Yeah. We flew, we flew from New York to uh, Johannesburg, and then we took a short flight, uh, an hour or two, to Cape Town. Uh, started in Cape Town. So we flew there a few days early to get acclimated. And then we basically worked our way from Cape Town, which is the southernmost part of the country, and then worked our way up with the ABD uh, as, as time went on. Okay. So you end up back in Johannesburg. Correct. And then we flew home from there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so what kinds of things did you do in Cape Town sort of pre-start of your actual ABD trip? I, I'm, I'm looking at your itinerary so and, and the notes you sent me, so I, I know, but <laughs> tell, tell listeners, tell <laughs> tell listeners the kind of stuff you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the cool things that we wanted to do, again, because it was my son's bar mitzvah trip, is we wanted to incorporate some component for being his bar mitzvah into the trip. And it turns out that in uh, Cape Town, there is the Great Synagogue and a South African Jewish museum. The museum is actually built inside what was the first synagogue in Cape Town which was a, a pretty cool experience and, and seeing and looking at and going into a sanctuary in a totally different country. So that was one of the, the highlights of the, of the trip. And it was actually founded, uh, the museum was founded by Nelson Mandela, which is obviously an icon in, you know, he's an icon in South Africa and I guess around the world. So, you know, that was you know, one of the highlights because we wanted to tie in that component uh, to the trip. We also got to experience a high tea at the hotel, which was fantastic. Did a little bit of local exploring, went to, they had a really nice aquarium there. So that, that was fun. And then we did a helicopter tour over Cape Town while we were there also, which was another uh, first for us because none of us 
Uh, none of the four of us had ever ridden in a helicopter and had that experience. And, and being able to go over Robbins Island, see that from the sky and some of the other uh, landmarks like Table Mountain, et cetera, were, uh, were amazing. And what was, the, what was the atmosphere like for you in Cape Town, Larry? And was it a relatively friendly city? Was it easy to get around and see things? Uh, Did it yeah, feel just, safe? Yeah. 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 So I think that was, you know, one of the other reasons why we took the ABD was a safety factor also. Uh, obviously, when you're there beforehand, you're kind of on your own a bit. But, uh, you know, while we were there, we felt relatively safe. They did kind of give us a, uh, a heads up that we would not want to be out you know, at night in the dark per se, but during the day it was relatively safe. And we were right on the VA waterfront there with our hotel. So it was very easy to hop out there. And then we also had the luxury, obviously Disney picks really, you know, high-end hotels for this ABD. Our hotel was attached to a mall that also had a lot of great restaurants in there. So if, if and when it got dark, we could always travel in there. But, you know, they said, be careful about just simply uh, walking around. We never felt uncomfortable there. Um, you know, there, there was a level of friendliness. There's also, you know, a lot of tourists around. And, you know, I think for people coming from New York who are always, you know, a little bit, you know, aware of their surroundings anyway, it, it wasn't really a problem for us at all. I, I never felt like myself or the family were at risk at, at any point in time. Now, when you decided where to stay, it sounds like you stayed maybe at the same hotel that you were going to be put up at by as a part of your ABD. Is that right? We did. We basically uh, just added on a few nights at the same hotel that the ABD was going to start at. We figured, hey, Disney, Disney already vetted it. So why should we even go crazy trying to find another place? And it, it looked really top notch uh, from online and reviews, et cetera. So we just chose to go the easy route and just book there. Now, did you have to still book that yourselves or was, or was ABD able to assist you in booking it for you and, you know, so you don't have to move rooms or how did that work logistically? Yeah, I believe that uh, Disney was able to simply extend our uh, hotel stay there for us. They were able to handle that component of it and add that on to the, uh, the beginning of the trip. I'm curious about this helicopter tour as well, Larry. Uh, what was that like? Uh, it was great. I mean, we took off, I, I think it was only uh, like a 15 or 20 minute tour. And, you know, one of the reasons I think we made it as short as we did was none of us had ever been up in a helicopter before. A couple of us are subject to motion sickness. So we weren't sure how it was going to go. Uh, so we kept it short and concise, but everybody had a great time. I mean, the views were spectacular. We got to see, you know, like I said, Table Mountain, which is, uh, which was one of the mountains we visited on the ABD. We were able to see Robbins Island uh, from the sky, which unfortunately was not something that we were able to uh, tour ahead of time. Uh, it wasn't part of the itinerary and we couldn't get tickets. They, they were pretty much sold out for the entire time we were there. So we couldn't get in there. Um, so it was interesting and, and you know, uh, meaningful to be able to at least see that from the sky and just seeing a different location, the water and the mountaintops, et cetera. It was, it was really breathtaking. 
Well, let's let's dive into the actual Adventures by Disney tour. Yeah, now. I was so excited to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, so this starts on what day six of your actual trip, if I'm if I'm reading your outline here correctly. And yeah, what what was on tap for day one? And it sounds like you actually got some materials and things the night before. So maybe maybe how did things kick off for the Adventures by Disney tour? Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. So the night before we uh, we took off, we got to meet both of our guides. And uh, typically on an ABD, uh, you know, in another country, you'll have two guides. One is a person that's typically from the states and you know from the U.S. And then you usually have one person who is uh, local to whatever destination you're at. So we had uh, Craig and Kira. Craig was the the local, born and raised, and lived all his life in South Africa. And Kira is from the uh, the states. You know, so you have that local presence and you also have that U.S. You know, component as well. And we met them the night before. We had to pick out a few uh, certain meals and whatnot for the trip so they were ready because they ordered ahead of time in certain situations. Basically, they gave us their numbers what, uh, you know, and connected through, uh, through WhatsApp with them. And they basically said, listen, you have an issue, concern, whatever, question 24-7, you message us and we'll, we'll get back to you. And, uh, you know, they did. I mean, if there was ever anything, we'd message, message them and we'd hear back. And then, you know, we got some materials and basically then, you know, the next day we were on our way. And, you know, on the first day, we basically headed to Table Mountain. It was a little bit unique because they have a cable car that usually takes you to the top of the mountain, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, which they told us ahead of time, it was being serviced. And, they take it down to be serviced at different points of during year. They don't give any advance notice. It's kind of like, hey, the uh, cable car is going to be down tomorrow for the next week. So we actually had to drive up backside and we hiked a little bit. But Table Mountain was phenomenal. And, you know, it was uh, it was great views and a great experience. And then it, also in that same day, we visited District 6 which was an area that was struck by apartheid. And we met a gentleman there that um, had lived through that whole experience through the whole apartheid error and then the breaking down of the uh, apartheid, which was, you know, it was a good educational experience for the kids to hear how other people lived and what conditions they lived in. That evening, we had a great experience. We went to a, a restaurant, a local restaurant called Gold Restaurant. We basically went on our own there and then uh, well, no, they took the bu- took us on the bus there. We went into a big room and they did a whole, uh, more or less like a show. We each got our own drum. They taught us how to beat it, kind of gave us an education about their dancing and their music. And then after that, we went up to a private area with our group and had uh, dinner in a, in a private room and then had uh, dancers come in while we were eating dinner. You know, again, it was it's it was always mindful. They tried to keep us separated, kind of more private. There were situations where we had to be in a big public setting. We were, and then it always ended in more private. You know, typically with the meals, if if the uh, the venue really allowed for it. Can I can I ask how many people are in your group? I believe there are about 30 of us all together or so in our group. So it wasn't large by any means and it wasn't, you know, terribly small either. And, uh, you know, it was good. There were a lot, there were a lot of kids, there were some adults only, and it, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Now, what, what would you say the age ranges were for the kids? I know a lot of these ABDs actually have minimum ages and then they have encouraged sort of minimum ages. 
what would you say the age range was for the the kids in in with these uh, in this group? Yeah, I would say they were probably as young as ten to as old as you know, depending on what your definition of kids are. You know, <laughs> um, you know, there were young adults, you know, in their early twenties with mom and dad also. Well. Uh, we got past day one here of the ABD. What about uh, wh- wh- what was on tap for day two? Yeah, so day two was pretty great. I mean, I mean, listen, every day was really great. Uh, <laughs> Sounds I, like I, it. I, I have to say, you know, day two we went down to the Cape of Good Hope, which is basically the southernmost tip of uh, of South Africa. It was a little windy, but it was still just a great experience to be down there. Uh, we took photographs, you know, and I will tell you this, you know, uh, during the entire trip, you know, you want to take a lot of photographs, but at the same time, the guides were always reminding us and or asking us for our phones, our cameras, so they could take pictures of us. So they took their own pictures of us, which we all got. And then they also always encouraged and, you know, always mindful of, hey, don't want to take a picture here. And, and they would uh, make sure that happened. And then from there, we went to Penguin Beach, which is exactly what it says. It's a it's a beach that's just littered with penguins everywhere. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Was your son like in heaven? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they were literally you couldn't touch them, obviously, because we're in their environment and just watching. But I mean, they were literally an arm's length away from us. And I mean, if there were 10, there were 200. I mean, there were that many penguins there. The interesting thing here, and this is where ABD comes in, and I've heard this in other locations, the entrance to get into Penguin Beach had a very long line. And when we arrived at the beach, the guides asked us to stay on the bus. They basically went uh, up there, took care of what they needed to do. And essentially, we all went in the out. And um, you know, we never waited on the line. And you know, these are things that I've heard you know, other folks who've gone on ABDs, for example, that, you know, we know folks who've gone to the, you know, one of the European uh, tours and they went to the Vatican and there was a huge line first thing in the morning and they kind of went in a side door and uh, made sure that, you know, they weren't waiting online. And I think those are some of the huge benefits. So we didn't wait. We went right on the beach. We did what, what we needed to do and we got to see the sites. We didn't have to spend time waiting in line. And I think one of the other cool things that happened while we were on the bus from location to location is the local guide basically read, read a book. There's a, a book called Who Was Nelson Mandela? There's a whole Who Was and Who Is uh, series out there. And he read parts of it as we were on the trip. So it was interesting for those people that didn't necessarily know his background. They got to learn it. You know, it it gave some educational component for my kids to learn a little bit more about who Nelson Mandela was and getting some commentary from somebody who lived through it and was local there as well as he read the book was was interesting, too. That's great. So, so Larry, I'm curious how... How much physical exertion was there? How active was the trip from the standpoint of, you know, did you need to be super physically fit to get through these tours or, or was, there, uh, was there a lot of hiking and that sort of stuff? Yeah. So I, I could speak to that really perfectly because my wife has a genetic condition that she has very difficult time with her, her ankles. And this was a concern for her. And I will tell you this, it was not a problem in the least. Basically, you know, she was able to get through it, no problems whatsoever. 
Obviously, if you had, uh, you know, disabilities maybe greater than her, that may not be the case for you. But we were concerned for her. And that's one of the reasons why we did the ABD now and not 10 years from now. We wanted to make sure that she'd be in the condition to do it. And, you know, she was. She she was able to get through all the areas. There wasn't a lot of hiking. There was a, a good amount of walking. But at the same time, there was a, a good amount of downtime. So it wasn't like you were going from the minute you woke up to the minute you went to sleep. There was a lot of abilities to kind of, you know, rejuvenate and recuperate if you needed to. Were there any multi-generational families on your trip or in your group, meaning where there's kids, parents, and grandparents also? I don't recall that. It was a lot of, it was a lot more of kids and parents. There was one set that I remember that were grandparents and grandchild, you know, and uh, there were some single parents. Uh, There were people from Canada that came in uh, for the trip. So it it was pretty diverse, but I don't recall any multi-generational groups. Well, that gets us to day three, which from Wait, your what outline, about food? Larry, we didn't talk about food for day two. Okay, well, if we go day by <laughs> okay, day, everything's right, okay. yeah, we'll, right. we'll, we'll go through so. the days, and then we'll kind of, and then we'll ask more general about food, about food. Yeah, okay, right. let's do that. Um, yeah. You know, we the next day we went to an eagle encounter, which was basically, you know, basically a bird sanctuary where they had uh, birds there, eagles. Uh, there was also some other types of animals. There was a snake, a big boa constrictor, which I actually put around my neck. Uh, and most people did to take photos. I don't actually, I think that was a different time, but we had another family photo where we had a big snake around uh, all four of us and we took a photo, which was uh, even more interesting. And then we had lunch uh, talking about food. We had lunch at a vineyard and um, you know, it, it was something that I was not aware of before going to South Africa. I'm not a huge wine fan, so that might be why I know about it. I'm more of a scotch bourbon and craft beer person, but South Africa has some great wines and some great vineyards. And my understanding is they can compete with some of the best, even out of like Napa area. And we had uh, lunch at the vineyard, which was, which was fantastic. It was, it was a, you know, an old, older type, you know, house on the vineyard and it, it was really good. And, you know, again, I don't remember anything like really out of the ordinary from a food perspective to me, but I mean, maybe to others there was, it seemed, it seemed rather traditional in terms of food, not necessarily, you know, we, we didn't see anything that unique other than maybe some, you know, giraffe and some elk along, you know, along the way in regards to the trip. Well, I don't know about the rest of you out there, but throughout this entire episode, I had the ABD website up because this trip sounds amazing and it's going to get even better the further we go but we need to stop for a second and thank an amazing sponsor of our show touring plans travel who can help you book one of these amazing abd tours we have an abd cruise a river cruise book for next december that we used touring plans travel to book and we love our vacation specialist over there at touring plans travel she is amazing uh she's got a great wealth of knowledge and expertise about all the disney products and so we just really appreciate being able to access that kind of expertise and experience and just great level of service that uh, we get from touring plans travel so if you'd like to support the show 
head over to touringplans.com slash travel. You can get a free quote on any Disney vacation, including Disney Cruise Line vacations, Adventures by Disney vacations. And the best part is you don't have to pay touring plans travel. Disney pays your travel specialist after you travel. So you get to benefit from that experience and expertise on Disney's dime. So it's kind of like leaving money on the table not to use a travel agent in some ways. So we love touring plans travel and we think you will too. So head over, check them out. Let them know the DCL duo sent you. With that, we're going to get back to Larry and his Adventures by Disney tour in South Africa. Well, on day four, you left Cape Town and you had a flight to, it looks like George is what it's called. What 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 was day four like? Yeah. So day four, you know, again, Disney-esque, right? We basically had to pack up the evening before, put our bags out other than a, a quick carry-on out in the hallway. Everything got taken care of for us got checked in. We, we got on the, uh, the flight to George, you know, and again, we didn't really have to wait. They basically checked us in to the airport. Obviously, we had to go through security individually, but they checked us in as a group. And then we went through the airport and, you know, which isn't like an airport in New York or on the, you know, in the major hub areas. But essentially, we got on the plane and then we were on our way to uh, to George. And then from there, we essentially, once we landed, we had to drive a couple hours and we basically spent some time at Birds of Eden, which is a protected bird sanctuary, which was, uh, you know, again, it was really interesting and amazing. It was like a netted in avi- aviary. And, you know, some of the birds are just, were just absolutely beautiful. And they're, you know, there, there are a lot of rescues. So we were able to see them almost in their natural habitat, uh, which was great. Um, and then again, and, you know, this, again, we ended up having lunch at another local winery, which as our guide said and told us had the best bread in the known an unknown universe. <laughs> and I will tell in the multi- you this. In the multiverse too? Yes, yes. I, I, listen, I don't know wine, but I know bread. And that was really, it was really good bread. My, my older son, who I told you was a little finicky, I think he ate four loaves of the bread all by himself. It was that, <laughs> it was that good. So he really, he really enjoyed that. And again, the wine there, from what we were told, was really good. People really enjoyed it. And then from there, you know, again, we went, we went to uh, Monkey Land, which is basically a retreat for monkeys, all kinds of monkeys. And again, in the Disney fashion, they had us arrive there in our itinerary at the time that the monkeys were being fed. Oh, perfect. Right. And I, I'm sure I know that was by design and it just didn't happen that way, but it was fantastic because. Normally, the monkeys are in the trees all over the place, and we had the opportunity. I mean, we were within five, six feet of these monkeys. I don't remember which one, but we were kind of warned about one monkey in particular, one species. Be very careful because they were known to either jump on you and kind of either take your wallet out of your pocket or take your watch off your arm without you knowing. So, you know, kind of hold on to your your stuff, you know, straight out of Aladdin, but uh, (laughs) real life. (laughs) Abu! Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing, though. What a cool experience. It sounds like pretty much every day is hitting the mark on animals for the bar mitzvah boy. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. And we're, you know, again, I, I don't want to ruin it, but we're not even on the, uh, you know, so we're, not even at, we're not even at the game drive yet, yeah, which is, right? you know, which we're is close, crazy. Close. We are, we are. And then that night, that night we checked into the Pazula resort and hotel and spa, which was unbelievable. I mean, 
It was just a, a beautiful location, beautiful golf course. It was so clear that at night we were able to see the Milky Way. We ended up downloading an app for our phone so we can see what constellations were in the sky because it was that clear. And I, I will tell you the probably one of if the only regrets we have about the trip was that we didn't get to spend a little bit more time at that resort because we really loved it that much. I think we were only there for two nights and that would have been a place we could have probably settled in there for, for many more. It was, it was that enjoyable. Well, and so it looks like the next day you've got a ferry ride over to a nature preserve. Uh, what, what was going on on day five? Yeah. So that was probably, you know, when you asked earlier about the physicality of the trip, that was probably one of the most physical days that we had because basically we took over this ferry ride. Then they basically drove us to the top of this, I guess, mountain top, if you want, you know, if you will. And then basically we hiked down. You had the choice. If you didn't want to hike down, they would drive you back down and you could, you know, at least get out, see the sights and then you know, not take the exertion to to walk down. Very narrow pathway, hilly, you know, on the side of a mountain. My wife chose to walk down and she was very happy and and that she did and, and was able to experience that and, you know, really didn't feel uncomfortable doing it along the way. But that was probably one of the most physical ex- exertions that we had. And we were able to see where the Indian Ocean flowed into the Nisla Lagoon. And there was an area there that our understanding is Lloyd's of London way back when, and maybe even still today, wouldn't insure boats that were going through this passage because it created such a waterway that most boats would not survive going through this past path because of the uh, the ocean and the lagoon kind of merging together. But it was it was fantastic. And then basically, as we walked back, we ended up from there, we ended up having a short lunch at uh, Pizzoula at the game reserve for a sh- and for a short break. Oh, and then I oh, I don't want to leave this out. The the we also that evening went to the Nisna Elephant Preserve. Oh, yeah. Which that was awesome as well and I'll tell you what they did here. So they had us arrive at the Elephant Preserve at the time that they closed. So there was nobody there but us. And we arrived there, they took us back, they brought the elephants out and it was feeding time. So we all got to feed the elephants, which again was an amazing experience. And then we ended up going back to one of the structures that they had on the property and we ended up having dinner right there on the reserve. So we were able to uh, see the sunset and eventually go down right there on the uh, elephant preserve, which was uh, phenomenal. Oh my goodness. That sounds, I I can't even imagine. It sounds so like picturesque and perfect. (laughs) It was, it was, but it only actually got a lot, it even got better, (laughs) believe it or not. How could it get better? (laughs) Better than Elephant Preserve? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, it's about to get better because we hit day six and the part of the tour that I think your son was most waiting for, you have a flight to, I am going to butcher this name. How do you say Hoots? I'm going to say Hootsprite. I don't know. Hootsprite. I I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but that's how I pronounce it. Yeah. And and then you're headed to a game preserve for safari, essentially. So talk us through that experience. Yeah. So again, you know, we we flew from uh, George to Hootsprite. And one of the things that really upped the level in the game of this trip was it was a private charter, which made that travel much easier. 
And our understanding is that they did that on purpose. They had some trouble along the way. They had changed the trip where it was a commercial flight and they changed it to a private flight because of those hiccups. Hootsprite is actually interesting. It's a uh, emergency landing space for the uh, space shuttle. So if they end up in, in a problem, they're one of the emergency locations that they would uh, land. And on the way to the airport, we had the opportunity, the bus stopped, we got out and we were able to go into the Indian Ocean. And again, the guides had everything. They had towels, they had water to wash off our feet before we got back on the bus. And, you know, they really think of everything. You know, one of the things that we were talking to the guides about as we were getting on the the plane was why is the game reserve or great game preserve, you know, the last piece? Why don't you start there? And the reason is because once you get on the game reserve, basically you're going out on the game reserve for a game drive in the morning and the evening. And basically in the morning, it's something like, a, you know, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. wake up call. And, and then you're going back out at night, you know, at five, six, seven o'clock at night again. So there are long days. And if you started out that way, I don't know that you'd make it to the end. <laughs> you'd be exhausted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we landed in Hootsprite and we immediately got picked up by our guides. We basically were assigned a truck with a guide and a spotter, you know, with a driver and a spotter. And uh, essentially, we drove from the airport, which was literally across the street through a gated area, onto the game reserve. And on our way, just even to get there, we ended up spotting a giraffe that was, uh, you know, strolling right next to us. So right out of the gate, we see a uh, a giraffe, which was phenomenal. Then basically, they brought us onto the game reserve. We had a uh, a nice lunch, which which they had some great grilled lamb chops, which all of our boys love. And then we basically checked into our room and essentially got prepared and ready. We were for our first game drive, which we were going to go out at about 4.15 for the evening game drive. We probably had one of the most, one of the most memorable, there were a lot of them, but when we went out on that game drive, we literally had a lioness that walked probably six or seven feet from our truck. And one of the older gentlemen who was in our truck said to the driver, driver had a box sitting next to him, said, hey, uh, just had a curiosity. I'm assuming in the box you have a gun, right? Just in case something happens. And No, it's a camera. He goes, just in case something cool happens. <laughs> and the older gentleman's like, what? He's like, yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't have guns. We don't keep them. The only people that uh, have guns are those that are going after the anti, you know, that are anti-poachers going after the poachers. You know, that that's it. I mean, literally, that's why they say don't stand up, no loud noises, because the animals are used to the shapes of the trucks. And if you show them a shape that's not familiar to them, that's when trouble arrives. That was a great experience. We had the lion literally walk right by us. And then after that, uh, after the sunset, we ended up uh, going to a, uh, they set up an incredible meal outside in a specific location with fire, a fire circle around it to keep the animals away because we're now in their territory. They told us if you need to use the restroom, which was a good amount of steps away from where we were eating, that you had to ask a ranger to escort you because you never know what's going to be there. And you know you had to be very mindful of that. Now, the big question is, did you see all of the big five? We did. We did. We, we actually saw the first day we saw four of the big five just in, in that one day. And then it took us the remainder of our time to actually get to the uh, the fifth, which was the which was the elusive fifth. 
The fifth one was the uh, leopard, I believe, was the uh, fifth. Oh, no, you know what? I think it was the rhino. The rhino was the tough one. For some reason, we had trouble finding those uh, while we were while we were there. Yeah. So for, for our listeners, the big five are the lion, the leopard, the elephant, the rhino, and the buffalo. And obviously, you'd seen the elephants at the at the preserve, at the sanctuary, but that's a, diff- a little bit different scenario than seeing them in the wild. Correct. Correct. To- totally different. I mean, we saw a whole herd, uh, I think uh, that may not be the right term for a group of elephants, but we saw a whole group of them that were like knocking down trees and eating and it was, you know, saw little babies and the moms and dads and it, you know, just seeing them in their environment and you being a visitor is just amazing. Well, one of the big five seems to play a pretty big role in day seven of your trip, which is the leopard. What was going on on day seven, Larry? Yeah, day seven, uh, you know, we had some interesting things happen uh, that day. Two leopards were fighting over territory and we didn't see them actually fight, but we saw the uh, the aftermath. We saw one of the leopards that was pretty banged up after that uh, that engagement. And one of the things that I didn't mention is as we went out, you know, in the morning game drives, as the sun started rising or at some point while it was rising, we would typically, because we were out there for about two to three hours. So at some point halfway, we would stop, uh, have some snacks, some coffee, which our driver would have uh, with him. And we would stop and relax and uh, use the uh, facilities, uh, as they call it, if needed. <laughs> and we would take a stop and we'd do the same thing in the evening, just with some beer and wine and some, you know, some, some cocktails and, and snacks uh, in the evening as well. And uh, this one moment, we, you know, after this encounter between the two leopards and we knew one of them was, you know, they were really angry. We knew that one of the other cars, uh, trucks was actually taking that evening stop and it was in the area of where the leopards were and they were not aware of what was going on. We ended up driving up next to them as they were out having a few drinks and cocktails. And we actually, my truck or our truck ended up providing them with cover and they basically had a matter of seconds to get back in their truck and we were out of there because uh, there was some fear that, uh, you know, the leopards, because of uh, being upset, might actually do something more, you know, what what uh, they were expecting. So it was pretty interesting. It was, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a rush and uh, scary at the same time, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun and it all worked out well. So, you know, no, no issues. What were what were the accommodations like at the you know when you're you're there at the game reserve? Obviously, you're doing the the morning uh, game drive and the evening game drive. But what was what were the accommodations that you were staying like, and what were you kind of doing in the middle of the day? Yeah, so there was uh, you know the the rooms uh, were basically very similar, just you know to what a normal hotel room would be. Uh, I think the unique thing that we noticed that we were kind of surprised is there was no TV in the room anywhere. That was probably the only difference between a traditional hotel room and the one while we were on the uh, the savannah. But you know they had a lot of things during the day, so you know they had a very nice spa. So you know my wife went to the spa a couple of times. They had a really nice pool. They also had some events that they did. One day they had archery and uh, different events that would probably be native to South Africa. So we you know hatchet throwing and things like that. 
And then one day they brought in an entomologist, somebody who uh, knows uh, bugs and beetles and brought in some snakes. At that point, one day I had a scorpion on my head at one point. Somebody ate a grub. You know, so they had things for us to do that they brought in people from the outside. So we had things to do constantly. And we also had time to relax if you wanted to, you know, just relax and tour the uh, the property and walk around. You know, it was very, very nice, very spacious. And uh you know, very accommodating, just like any other resort type uh, location would be just that you're in the middle of the uh, the bush. Well, that gets us into the second to last day of your trip, Larry. And so, uh, yeah, what'd you get to experience on that day? Yeah. So day eight was a day we got to see the, uh, you know, that herd of elephants that I referred to earlier and referenced, and we watched them knock down trees and Basically, they were looking for nutrient-rich roots because keep in mind, we went during our summer, which is actually their winter, which was actually, I, I feel it was nicer because we were able to see the animals. There wasn't a lot of brush and growth and, and you know, it was easier to spot the animals. And, you know, so they were really looking for this nutrient-rich, you know, roots and whatnot to eat. You know, it, it was unbelievable. And then in the last night that we were there, we saw a giraffe like walking on the road or you know, our road, probably 20, 50 feet ahead of us. And we got out, got to take some great pictures with, with that behind us. And probably one of the most you know, memorable pieces, and this is definitely the most memorable piece for my wife, is we got to encounter and experience a leopard that had tracked down and caught a warthog and was eating it for its meal. And we basically went through this brush back area in order to get there. And we sat there and watched the leopard eating this warthog. And we got that on video. And it's just crazy. I mean, it was just a crazy thing to see because, again, you know, you hear about it, you read about it, you've seen it, not necessarily in this environment. And right there, live and in person, it was, it was happening right there which was, uh, you know, amazing. Poor Pumbaa, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't like, they don't, they didn't like when people were calling uh, the warthog Puma, Pumbaa. They don't like putting a name to the animal Right, that way. right. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, are we heading to our final day of the trip? You actually get in a little bit of safari time before you head back to the Johannesburg airport. Is that right? I mean, that, that's a pretty full day, actually. Yeah. I mean, basically, we had a, uh, a shortened you know, as I mentioned, they're usually like two or three hours. It was a much shortened morning drive where, you know, our tracker, Philip, who is uh, local to the area there, but he found a hyena, which we hadn't seen while we were there, uh, which was great because we, you know, on our last drive, we got to see that. And then, um, you know, as we said goodbye to Kampama, we were able to take some last minute photos as a group, as a truck. And, um, you know, we, we ended up, um, you know, passing a herd of zebra on our way out. And then basically we uh, then were escorted with our guides to the Jayberg Airport. And, uh, you know, they gave us all the instructions we needed. We all said goodbye and more or less we were on our way back uh, back home. And, you know, that was uh, quite the experience because now we had a 24, 26 hour journey back to uh, to the States from there. I mean, I, I think that so what is interesting throughout this entire trip, and then I have a few kind of general couple of general questions to wrap things up before we head into rapid fire, but just wanted to make the comment which which really impressive to me about these adventures by Disney trips is 
you were kind of all over the place and everything was just seamless. I have not heard anything in what you've described as like something went wrong or (laughs) we were stuck at an airport. Like everything just worked and you packed in a lot of stuff in a short amount of time that all seems to have worked seamlessly. Uh, I mean, did, did you hit any hiccups during the trip, I guess? There were no hiccups that I, you know, that I recall at, at all. I mean, I, I, to this day, tell people it went very, very smoothly. We had no issues whatsoever. At no point did we feel like, you know, the, the trip wasn't uh, going smoothly. I, I just feel like the guides and, and the Disney adventures by Disney folks just really did a phenomenal job planning it out and making it happen that way. Yeah, which for you know, for anyone who's traveled internationally, I think traveling from the US to a single city, staying in a hotel, seeing the sites, it's a pretty manageable thing. But when you start talking about traveling outside the US to another country and then moving around within that country seamlessly on airlines, ferry boats, trains, what have you, I know Sam and I did that in Italy for a trip that we took and we even had a travel agent book everything and it was still there was still a mess, right? Like we don't know where we're going. How do we get from point A to point B once we get there? Uh, this train ride is terrible, right? And so I mean, to have to have Disney go out, seek out these vendors, do that for you, it, 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 I just say Adventures by Disney sounds like an amazing product. It was. And, you know, one thing I didn't mention was, you know, up until the point that we flew from Pazula, uh, um, from George to Hootsprite, up until that point, we had the same bus and the same bus driver. So the flight that we took before that, while we were getting ready and flying or packing up, he packed up the bus and drove to meet us. So when we landed, we had him. Now, he didn't drive. They hire a second driver. They think about everything. He sleeps while they drive. And then when he gets there, he's fresh. But we had the same bus, same bus driver that entire time up until the point where we flew to the uh, to the game reserve. Larry, my last question here is, I mean, what an amazing trip. It sounds like, you know, you do it again. You got all the value out of it. Was there anything you missed? Anything you wish you'd been able to do that you didn't get a chance to do? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, no. I mean, the only thing that I, which I mentioned earlier that I think we would have enjoyed as a family, I don't know that everybody else would have had uh, or has that was on the trip has the same feeling, but I know myself and my family. The only thing we talk about is we would have liked to have a little bit longer stay at the Pizzoula, uh Golf Resort because it was just unbelievably beautiful accommodations. The location was great. The staff there really, really uh, went up and beyond. And I mean, the room was phenomenal. I mean, we had a two bedroom. There were fireplaces in both the living area and in the bedrooms of each and it was just a, a beautiful location. We would have liked to spend a little bit more time there. But outside of that, I mean, it was just, um, there were no regrets whatsoever. Wow. I'm looking, I'm, I will say, I'm looking at the website for the Pazula Nature Hotel and Spa, and it looks like just incredible. So I, I can... I can totally understand why you'd want more than the two nights that you had there. So, <laughs> And my kids said the same thing, which is interesting because they don't usually say that about certain locations, but they both said the same as well. What an amazing trip. I hate to leave it behind, but uh, I think we've reached that point in our show, Sam, where it's time to hand it over to you for a little rapid fire. So uh, Sam, take it away. Yeah. So Larry, this is a part of our show that we call rapid fire and we like to do uh, folks' Disney favorites. So I'm going to start by asking you three general Disney favorites, and then and then we're going to switch to Disney Parks favorites, since we know that you are a Disney Parks 
person as well, and that you actually just came back from a, a recent trip to the world. So we'll start with what is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Uh, probably The Incredibles, Mister Incredible. I got I, I I like that movie. It's probably one of the one of the tops for me for sure. All right. Well, that's the my next question. Is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? I would probably say The Incredibles. It's definitely up there. So, you know, I, that's why I like the character so much. Favorite Disney song? You know, I listen, I think small, It's a Small World is still rolling around in my head from my <laughs> most trip. I don't, I don't know if it's a favorite or it's just embedded in my head right at the moment. It's just stuck so in your brain. I'll go with that for now. <laughs> All right. Favorite Disney park, and I don't mean Disneyland versus Disney World. I mean individual park. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. The tough one. I, I think I would probably have to go. I, I think there's a pretty good tie for me between Epcot and Hollywood Studios. And the only reason that is it that way is because uh, Epcot has the great food and drink, and Hollywood Studios has my favorite ride. Okay. Your next, my next question is what is your favorite land? And this could be in any of the parks. I, I think the 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 coming just coming back from the food and wine festival, I have to say that the Epcot, the countries is yeah, World uh, Showcase, you know, yeah, it's unbelievable. All right, so my next two questions are rides and attractions question. So the first one is going to be favorite classic rider attraction, and then the next one is going to be favorite modern rider attraction. And you can define those classic versus modern, however they make sense to you. So we'll start with classic. I don't know how you define the classic, but I'm I'm going to say uh, because it's in its second iteration, I'll say my classic is soaring uh, because and but I do miss the orange smell. I will tell you that I do miss that. I used to like that. I don't know if this is classic or not, but uh, my favorite ride, hands down, is the rock and roller coaster. I love that ride. Okay, this could be a controversial question. What is your favorite Disney snack? Oh, that's easy. That is, but I don't know if this is a snack or a meal, but this, uh, I'm going to say this anyway. The uh, chicken waffles at Sleepy Hollow. Oh, hands down. Oh, that's Love a it. good one. Yeah. 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 Nice and spicy. Really good. Yum. Favorite Disney souvenir. Now, this could be something you collect or it could be just a, a single souvenir that you like. I, I just like getting whatever the timely shirts are when I'm there. I mean, I, I try to get at least one T-shirt on every trip. I'm not a big souvenir person. Uh, my kids and my wife make up for that. Uh, but it's you, usually a T-shirt or a mug are, are my go-tos on, uh, on a trip. Okay, I'm going to add a question to my, to my rapid fire because I just thought of a great one. Bucket list ABD. What's the ABD that you haven't done that you're like, we're going to do this. So right now on our bucket list, and this is more for my wife and I than my kids, because they're getting up there and you know they're both heading out of the house in the next couple of weeks, going on to school. But uh, my wife and I are very excited to see that uh, Disney's going to Antarctica. And we're very interested in taking that trip and uh, seeing the Northern Lights. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. If you do that, you need to come back on the, our show and talk to us about it because we, we've heard from a couple of people who have done similar trips, but not on not through ABD, obviously, because ABD is doing that. As an, it, that's a new thing for them. But that'll be, I can't imagine how amazing that'll be. Yeah, that's definitely on uh, very high up on our list. Well, Larry, 
It has been so great talking to you about your Adventures by Disney tour today. Do you want to remind folks about your podcast where they can find you and uh, connect with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, the The podcast is the Midland Money Mindset, which uh, you can find on any of the uh, podcast players. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you definitely love Disney. And we have a lot of Disney folks uh, who have been connected with the company on the show. You know, if you look me up, Larry or Lawrence Sprung on every social media platform, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, uh, you'll find me and uh, feel free to connect. Well, Larry, thanks again for coming on. It's just been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the time, Brian and Sam, and uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Well, it was a real pleasure having Larry on the show to talk about his South Africa adventures by Disney. Those trips are so special and magical. We cannot wait to experience our first river cruise with adventures by Disney and bring our son along for his first trip to Europe, sailing from Munich all the way down to Budapest. It's going to be amazing. And we are definitely eyeing some of the other trips there because it just sounds like an amazing way to experience a part of the world that, um, you know, we're just not very familiar with in a way that everything's taken care of and you just feel like it's seamless. So as, as Larry pointed out, felt seamless. It worked well. So. Can't wait to try out ABD for the first time. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get too hooked because they are a hit to the pocketbook. But with that, we do have another five-star review that I want to read on the air this week. This one comes from DiveDoc360, who writes, Fun and informative. I look forward to each new episode. The DCL Duo brightens my day, and I always learn helpful trip tips. Well, thank you, DiveDoc360. As always, we appreciate the feedback and love hearing from our listeners and reading the reviews on the air. So thank you so much for leaving the review. If you want to hear a review on the air, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us one of those five-star reviews. And right now that'll earn you a chance to win our replica castaway key sign that we're giving away. So head over, leave us uh, one of those five-star reviews if you want a chance to win. There's some other ways to win. You can check out the intro to our bonus episode this week for those opportunities. With that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to help support the show, you can head over to touringplans.com travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and join one of our monthly support tiers, which will also, by the way, earn you some opportunities to win that castaway key sign that we're giving away this month. So if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.